Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am thrilled that you guys are here with us today. I'm selfishly and personally very excited about the guests that we have on this show. And I wouldn't say begrudgingly, because I think that's a strong word, but somewhere in that neighborhood, I do have to announce my co-host. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Actually, he's. I see him on the horizon right now. He's riding into the studio on his noble white steed, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the one, the only, Mr. Dean Holland. Begrudgingly, <laughs> I hate you. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so great to hear your voice also. Uh, you too, my friend. How are you, James? I'm great, man. Just excited about the show today. And, I think um, you're excited about spending time with me. Don't dress <laughs> it up for the show. It's more about just being around me, right? Are my intentions that really that transparent? Like you can see them that easily. You're not fooling me anymore. You're not fooling me. You tell everyone you don't like me, but I know it's not true. <laughs> well, I ha- we have stayed together this long, despite our public hatred of each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, so, I'm looking forward to today. So we've got a really cool guest. We first met because he became a client of mine. And then shortly after that, I was like, man, this guy's just a super cool guy doing really cool stuff in a different way that I think everybody should hear about. And it pertains, the topic, it pertains to every single business owner out there, which I know universally, you don't normally say things like that, but I think today's topic does. Mm. And so I would like to welcome to the show, Anthony Moriello. How are you, my friend? Good morning, James Dean. Good morning. I'm, I'm doing well, man. I'm honored and pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you're broadcasting live from Staten Island. Is that correct? Shaolin, as as it's known in locally, or The Rock. But uh, yeah, we're, we're here on Staten Island, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So for those of you guys who don't know Anthony, he has grown a massive tax and accounting practice uh, based out of New York, obviously. What I first heard about how much volume you were doing, Anthony, I was like, is that like, did somebody add an extra zero <laughs> to this? So, you know, you talk to a lot of accountants and people and they're like, oh man, during tax season, I'm totally busy. And you're like, okay, fine. You know, they're doing, you know, a couple hundred tax returns or whatever. This guy cranks out 4,000 tax returns during tax season. And I was like, what the actual F is going on here? How is this guy capable of doing this? Thanks, man. Is, is that is that an open question? Should I? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm just still blown away by how much volume you're doing. You just knock James back for what he just did, because I think that was pretty pathetic as well, to be honest. All right, fine. You know what? There is a question in okay. there. How the hell do you do all of that? that? You, I guess man. that's the question. I, I would be lying if I said I did it myself. I am as good as my highly capable, highly trained staff. I like to, to fancy myself a servant leader. So um, I'm in the trenches, but I've got 12 people with me here. We try to do things a little bit different here. Um, We try to be much more proactive and engaging. So it's not just a run-of-the-mill puppy mill kind of a big block feeling because we are at that volume. You you know, we're we're clearly past the mom and pop stage, teetering towards 
dare I say, too big and, and not as personal, which I vowed to never let us get there. Yeah. And I think that's obvious by the way that I know you conduct your business and everything. But but on one hand, you do have a support structure and and obviously, you know, as as we've worked together, that's improved and all those things. But earlier this year, you told me your schedule was waking up at three in the morning every single morning, working, getting things done, and repeating that for four or five months straight, which is, I think, very unusual. It is, dude. But you know, I, I enjoy what I do and it's it's corny and it's cliche to say, but I thrive here. People say, what's your hot work is my hobby. It's what I enjoy. It's what I look forward to. It's both challenging and rewarding. You know, it sounds crazy. You know, you tell people, yeah, I wake up at three. I go to bed at around nine at night. I'm leaving about six hours to eat, shower, catch up with the family. How do you do it? Do it autopilot. Whether that's a four-month adrenaline rush, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it gets done. And, and it gets done right. And it gets done on time. And there's plenty of time left to, to do other things, man. I like to think that for the rest of the year, you hibernate for 20 hours a day. <laughs> well, that's the other, that's the thing though. At first, that's exactly what I thought about him. I was like, oh, surely he must just completely shut off after tax season's done. And granted, I don't think you're pushing it that hard the rest of the year, which would probably become very unhealthy for a sustained period of time. But the rest of the year, you're out, you got investments, you're expanding the business, you're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, where the hell do you find all this energy? Thank you much, man. I cannot say it's my diet. I can't say it's any kind of upper or, you know, like I said, I, I really feel like hardwired within your DNA. If you love what you do, you wake up. Every day is Christmas morning, man. Every day is a challenge. And what do we got to do today? And what are we reaching for? And, and what are we putting down? And where are we going today? And it's just every single day is that level of excitement. It makes it easy to do, man. You know, and I wish that for everybody. I wish everybody could, could feel that way when they flip the lights on in their office, man. I think that's awesome. And I think that, you know, there's a couple of things I want to kind of dig into here, but but for everybody listening, like this is <laughs> I don't think I ever met anyone who was as excited about taxes, right? Obviously you guys know each other from working together, but like first time listening or hearing you, Anthony, I'm like, something doesn't match between <laughs> how you sound compared with what you do. Mm -hmm. I'm like I don't think I've ever heard anyone even sound like they want to get up and deal with taxes. Yeah. Like even exactly. you do it as a profession, you're like major driven. And I actually feel excited by taxes in this brief moment. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have CPAs or do you have an accountant? Yeah. What's your What's your process out there, Dean? I just live in a little hut in the middle oh, of right, nowhere. Right. Right. Some shells and shekels <laughs> and uh, yeah. 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 yeah, I'm actually coming through on seashell right now. So... Uh, <laughs> My tax situation is rather relaxed. Uh huh. Got it. I imagine that there's some old guy in a white wig uh -huh. that helps uh -huh. me with the tax. <laughs> exactly. Scott. Very pretentious. They got to take a like the opposite of you, who's waking up at three in the morning. Dean's tax guy is taking a three hour break for high tea uh -huh. in the middle of the day. <laughs> right. Well, my guy goes to sleep at three a.m. covered in whiskey and smelling of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have it backwards, man. You, you know, I'm, I'm open to suggestions and uh, maybe a little case study. I'm on my way. <laughs> well, to each his own, I suppose. But Anthony, I don't know that I actually do know this about you. So what, what was your first sort of entrepreneurial venture and how did you get started doing things on your own? 
you know, growing up, I'm I'm playing stickball or stoopball or whatever on on my front step there, and I was somewhat of a loner as a child. And I remember um, Raymond was my paper boy. Raymond rode up the block on his bicycle, and just out of the blue, one day he says, "Hey, you know what? You want to buy my route from me, dude?" I had no clue. I had no money. Obviously, I'm nine. Didn't really know what I was in for. Like I said, I was somewhat of a loner kid where we grew up, and I said, "Yeah, hell yeah, I do." You know. That was kind of the first venture. It took me under his wing. I, I did the route with him two or three days. Dude, even that, I grew that. I started out with about 60 clients and I had about 310 by the time I was done. Yeah, I, I did that from probably age nine to like 21 because I was making bank. It was all cash. You know, I didn't know as much about taxes as I do now. So um, I was kind of... And, I hope that's a true statement. So I could say that that was was cash money and nobody was better than me, man. I was a baller at that age. My friends were starting to clock in, you know, come 13, 14, 15, 16, you get your working papers. They're all working for real. I'm delivering newspapers on my bicycle for an hour a day, making four or 500 bucks a week and just feeling the king, man. You know, that's really the first venture out there. I'm just curious. I, I know we got a lot of other things to talk about, but how did the deal structure happen where you bought this paper route from Rain? <laughs> yeah, you know, that that was um that was on the down low because apparently it was frowned upon by the newspaper company at that time to buy and sell these routes. So um we structured it where like I I do my collections and just he, he held a note, man. And again, we're we're two kids, so we didn't even know that um Deep down below, we scratched into what the, how business runs. He held a note. He said, hey, you know what? Make your collections. And on Friday, give me like, like a loan chart. On Friday, give, give me X amount of dollars every week. And um, I did until it was paid off, man. And then that thing was mine. And I just didn't let it go. Took it right through college. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm sure... You know, we, we probably need to be sensitive to this because the uh, the people who are running the newspaper company at the time may be listening <laughs> now and actually get, got wise to what you guys. I, I just lifted the curtain on uh, <laughs> on the street hustle that is the newspaper delivery business. Yes, on income like that, I'm surprised. The remaining eight months of the year, you're not still rocking this gig. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's uh, you and me both, man. Took an hour a day, and and I could well afford the exercise that driving my bicycle an hour a day would give me. I hung up my sneakers for greener pastures, man. That's amazing. Did you wind up selling the paper out or did you just, did it kind of dissolve or like what happened? I had sold that. Um, and actually at that point they broke it in two because it was a, a monster route. So um, they broke that into two routes and um, yeah, that was sold off. And and I kind of went on with my, my life. Like I said, I, at that point I was in college. So um that kind of led me right to uh, my first job. Right. So did you get a job out of college or you were, were you like, hey, you know, this working for myself thing is pretty cool. I'm just going to immediately go into that. Working for myself thing was very cool. And I did get a job right out of college. It turned out to be my neighbor and somebody who fr- was on my route, had an accounting firm, small family run place, two brother-in-laws, a mother said, hey, listen, go on some interviews, test the waters, go into like, at that point, you want to go into the city. You know, it's Manhattan, it's New York City. I'm envisioning happy hours and debauchery and after work parties, and this is going to be great. Went on a couple of interviews. He said, make us last. Didn't realize the true value of not having to go into the city. Because, you know, you always feel like you're missing out on something. I worked literally 10 minutes from my house. I was home for my lunch hour every day. I'd be able to jump in my pool, walk my dog, dry off, go back to the office, 
which was a, a tremendous benefit that, of course, like I said, I, I felt like ah, I'm missing out on the real world. I was with them straight through, man. So, so within a year or two of that, I passed my enrolled agent exam. Are you guys familiar with that? No. Okay. You guys have CPAs out there or, or any licensed tax or, or... Yeah. Yeah. Like licensed. Okay. 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 Yeah. So don't let them bullshit you. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so, so out here, like a CPA is licensed by the state with which they practice in. And that CPA may never do taxes. They might do financial forecasting for a business. They may do audited financial statements. Big companies want to get funding from a bank. Whereas an enrolled agent, which I am, I'm an enrolled agent. My license is by the internal revenue service and it's purely in taxation. And it's every area of taxation, which means personal, business, partnership, estates and trusts. So the IRS issues this two-day four-part examination on every single aspect and element of tax. And then federally, they gave me my license. The beauty to me was that now I'm back in the game. Now I've got my paper out again. I'm an enrolled agent. I'm licensed by the federal government, and I could practice in any state. I'm not restricted to the boundaries Whereas a CPA, highly respect them, they're limited to practice within the state that they pass the test because it's a state-given test. Mine's a federally given license. With that, I'm still with these guys who kind of realize, hey, you know what? Maybe a little bit of a diamond in the rough. Let's retain this guy. I think I've always kind of been ready, fire, aim. They got a tiger by the tail, man. I'm ready to blow this thing up and we should do holiday cards and this and this and this and um, really rock the boat. I'm not sure they knew it hit them with what I was looking to my, my visions of grandeur, you know, and, and kind of came down to it at one point. Um, there was a granddaddy of the firm. There was his brother-in-law. And uh, then there was the young cowboy, you know, and they said, listen, cowboy, all the best to you. We're all friends here. There's no non-compete, but I think we have different visions. Grandfather of the firm is looking to retire. I'm looking to kind of ride that coattail. To me, what a missed opportunity, man, because you had somebody in each phase of their career. But like I said, I think we just didn't have the same vision. So they said, look, if you've been dealing with some clients and some are familiar and comfortable with you, you're welcome to tell them where you'll be. Otherwise, there's no non-compete, but anybody obviously comes here, we're going to keep them, you know? Yeah. Sure. It sounds like a pretty friendly arrangement. It's the only way I know how to do business. We're not cutting anybody's throats or, or like I said, we're not stepping on toes or anything like that. Yep. That's how you started your own thing then. Yeah. So that gave me my shingle. I, I had my designation. I, uh, but much like my paper route, okay, I got to find an office. I got to buy all these computer systems. I got to get some funding to get this started. What am I going to do? Who am I going to turn to? Uh, I don't come from money. I was making, actually, you know, it's funny. I was making less money when I started there than when I was delivering my newspapers. <laughs> just, just imagine if you wouldn't have given it up where you'd be now. You see what I <laughs> exactly? Yeah. I know. Uh, the, part, the part of the story we don't know is that years later, Raymond bought it back from him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Raymond is still a some odd forty-year-old man delivering papers. <laughs> exactly. On his swing, like ring, ring. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like to, you know, kind of find out people's history a little bit, and that's fascinating. But one of the other things that I really wanted to dig into today was most entrepreneurs I come in contact with and most business owners, and I'm talking to hundreds and thousands of business owners every year, are really, really scared or at least distancing themselves from the financial aspects of their business. Mm, right. True. 
you know, there's all these like issues around it and self-worth and everything else. And and they kind of like, well, uh, hopefully everything's going to be okay, but I'm just going to go over here and focus on my marketing because marketing is exciting and I love it. And the, my money kind of scares me. So somebody else just deal with that. Right. And it's crazy because it's this pervasive idea that it has to be hard or complicated or even scary. And so I guess the kind of the other things I want to talk about with you are for the average entrepreneur and the average small business owner, what are some of the things that they really should be thinking about and should be doing to make sure that all of their hard work is actually going to pay off and they're going to be able to, you know, kind of realize their success. And I'm not necessarily talking about tax strategies unless that's what you think we should discuss, but I'm I'm talking about like how do I run the financial side of my business in a way that's really effective? Two things in life are certain and guaranteed in life, right? Death and dealing with Dean. <laughs> death and dealing with Dean or death and taxes. Yeah, there is no wrong answer there. And it just amazes me that people don't plan accordingly for their taxes. You know, it, it's funny. I, you guys have Powerball out there. Dean, you, you guys have a lottery system oh, or yeah. Powerball. Yeah. Back in the summer, our Powerball was an astronomical, it was an asinine fee, it was like $800 million, you know? And the chances of winning that were probably one in 1.6 billion. And of course, everybody is, is, is investing their two bucks to play. And what's funny is that you waxed philosophic, you know, you're saying, hey, man, if I win, I would do this and this. And I'm like, you know, we're planning on something that is a one in a two billion odds. <laughs> Yet something that's guaranteed, every year you're going to file taxes, people don't plan for. And they're not thinking about it enough. They're not engaged enough because I think you hit the nail on the head before, James. I think there's so much more psychological baggage. And and we see it, man. We see successful people and there's guilt. I'm not worthy of this success. They become almost self-defeating, almost self-manifesting also. And it just blows me away that there is such a stigmata around your tax return because mm-hmm. you know maybe I'm I'm prejudiced but I think it's a it's a piece of art I think it's a beautiful photo <laughs> and I'm an ass you might be one in a million Thank you just think that Thank that's you. okay <laughs> <laughs> but you know what because when listen every and I'm not going to bore you with, with all of it but a business tax return is a beautiful snapshot it's a moment in time of your past your present and your future and the reason I say that is page 1 is showing me the income that you earn for the year, less all of your deductible expenses, getting to a net profit or a loss that you made last year. So that's telling me, hey, in the past, last year, you were profitable or you lost money. Here's all the categories and here's the associated dollar amounts. Here's what you spent in those categories. Let's look at that. Let's talk about it. Let's ascertain you made too little, you spent too much, you made too much, you spent too little. Where, where were you? The secondly is, is where it fits in currently is nine out of 10 people are bitching that they don't want to pay the tax that's due on the return. And the argument is either, look, man, if you got to pay tax, it means you made the money. So you're doing good. But if you got to pay too much tax, I didn't do my job as your advisor because I want to be proactive through the course of the year. And looking to the future, the, the third page of a corporate tax return is what they call a balance sheet. It's showing me all the assets, all of the things you own. And then I'm listing out on the bottom, the liabilities, everything that you owe, bills that you owe, and then your equity in your company. So by looking at the past, the present, and the future, you and I could chart a course where where I don't want you to be afraid. We're going to co-create 
Not Look, your tax returns are a byproduct, man, because that shows what you or I did through the course of the year or didn't do through the course of the year. But it also opens up our door and gives me the cornerstone and foundation with which to build off of for the upcoming year. And now we could look at it deeper and say, hey, let's be proactive. Any crazy, slipshod, messy kind of a guy can just be aggressive and tell you, oh, let's just write it off and then fuck it and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. That's sloppy and it's lazy and and it's going to get you hurt. We want to be proactive. We want to be considerate. We want to be integrious on the figures that we put together because we're going to co-create this and minimize, legally minimize the amount of tax you have to pay. First of all, Dean, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody get that. (laughs) I kind of like how we got our uh, explicit rating in there as well during the height of excitement. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's right thank you that's right this episode may or may not be safe yeah, I thought, wow, we're, we're gonna have a now. friendly a family friendly tax episode and lo and behold <laughs> anthony just swoops right in there and steals that from me <laughs> just imagine some kid on his bicycle on a paper route listening to our podcast <laughs> thinking it's safe for his little this ears and now, man, ah. yeah. <laughs> if i'm a business owner what are the things that i should be looking at, thinking about, and doing as best practice on a regular basis to be more in touch with those numbers. Because all the things that you're talking about are great in terms of, you know, they happen on an annual basis, yeah. but no, nobody wants one course correction a year. But I think most people don't know how to evaluate and understand those numbers and make multiple course corrections for their actions that will drive a better behavior. Right. Well, what do they say? They say a ship is off course 90% of the times. Right. One degree click brings that right back on course. You know. So, James, how often? I mean, you know, a little personal here. How often do you speak with your accountant, your bookkeeper? Do Do you have a, a regimented schedule? Yeah, I do. I, every single week. Fantastic. My answer would be different. <laughs> that- don't, ask, don't ask Dean. <laughs> That's a phenomenal level of communication. That may be too much for some people. Once a month may be too much for people. But I would say at very least once per quarter, you got to take this pill, man. You, you have to look at where you are because like I said, the worst clients, and, and look, I love them all dearly, but the worst clients we have are those who come in after the year ends because now it's too late to really do significant planning and you've got until March 15th to file your business returns. We have people who come in March 1st, here's 12 months of my bank statements, here's 12 months of my credit card statements, do the bookkeeping, do the return. And again, there's sticker shock there. Now it's too late to plan. So I, yeah. I think the best thing you could do is, is become familiar with what these statements mean. Sit down with your bookkeeper, sit down with your accountant, whether it's once a week, once a month, once per quarter, but certainly, certainly much more than once per year. You've got to be familiar what these figures are, what they mean. And again, what you could proactively do to lower that tax burden for that upcoming year. Don't you think on some level, the tax planning is one aspect of it, but there's also the aspect of financial literacy in running a company. So your question was, you know, how often do I talk to those people? I don't talk to the CPA, the, the tax people quite nearly that often, but my bookkeeper and my controller who are making sure everything's in the right category, all my reports are exactly the way that they need to be. I'm looking at my numbers because that's helping me course correct, right? And so I think there's, uh, there's a tax implications of this, but there's also the implications of how do I know how well my business is doing if I don't understand how to read my numbers right. and I'm not ever looking at them? It's a dual-edged sword 
Because that's why you have a CEO, a CFO, a bookkeeper, an accountant. You've got this team of people around you. So you don't want to be ignorant to it. But, you know, we deal with creatives. We deal with people who are artists, people who are in retail, who are in wholesale. This maybe is not where their time is best spent doing this themselves. But a general knowledge of, hey, what is my income? What are my expenses? What do these figures on this paper necessarily mean to me? And, you know, I think that's where the school system fails us a little bit because you're you're textbook taught. As a matter of fact, I think out here they're starting, I don't know if they call it like real life 101, but just simple things, how to balance a checkbook, the basics of, hey, accounting is great, bookkeeping is great, taxes are great. Not everybody needs to go as deep as to get a diploma in that discipline. But you do need a general knowledge of, of, of it all. You, you know, I think if they're not calling it real life 101, they should. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What are you doing at yeah. real life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Let's talk about this then. I have encountered plenty of bookkeepers and CPAs who don't seem to be able to provide good answers to the business number questions, they're just, oh, well, you know, this uh, this is what the IRS says about this or that. And it's like, okay, but what do I do about this thing in my business, right? Are there questions that people can ask if they're, you know, talking to their CPA or they're talking to their bookkeeper or whatever that will help illuminate whether one, they're the right people they should be working with? And two, like, what are the questions for somebody who is a creative or somebody who doesn't want to spend a ton of time on this? can at least ask to help steer them in the right direction. Yeah. I think if you are working with your tax preparer, your professional, your CPA, your EA, like you should have that open communication. And maybe square one is before you had hired them, just ask what their experience has been. What's their exposure in your field? Are they familiar with it? It's got to be an interview process. And even if you're with somebody and have been for a number of years, maybe it's time just to get reacquainted. You know, I think we're all stuck in our own heads. You know, we're all kind of multitasking, you know, to one degree to other, some better than others. But I think that you've got to make sure, like I said earlier, you've got to make sure that that team around you is the best team that you could put around you. Saying about like, you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room or or something, something along those lines, I forget. But yeah, you should definitely be able to sit down with either the in-house bookkeeper the CFO, your accountant, or even even somebody in your accountant's staff to say, hey, listen, man, whether it's, it's, it's the very first time or the first time you're doing this, what do these figures mean? And what are the areas like? So income and expense wise, that's fine. We obviously want to get that bottom line figure, that net profit. We want to get that as small as we can, but there are ways to co-create that to be as small as it can without meaning your business is failing. One of the smart ways if you're making $10,000 and let's say you're on payroll for $5,000, let us say you want to hire your two children. You put them on payroll for $5,000 each. If each of you then personally open up an IRA, that business can deduct the salaries. You as individuals can deduct your contribution to the IRAs and nobody's going to pay tax on that money. So again, you want to kind of take the blinders off to just what's my top line, what's my bottom line, I don't care, I got to get out of here, and understand. We love when people come at us. Who is it, Cy Sims, an educated customer is, is, is our best client or whatever? 
dude, come at me with questions, poke and prod. Because we hear the extraordinary, but sometimes, you know, we, we learn too. Sometimes somebody will think, hey, can I do this? And the knee-jerk reaction is to say no. But as we're digging through the annals of our tax journals, we realize, wow, you know what? On the surface, no. But if they jump through these four hoops, then yes. And then we could go back to the client and present that to them and give them that opportunity and the option to benefit from that. Yeah, got it. So Dean, what's on your mind? I'm admittedly monopolizing this conversation. It's awesome um, to kind of sit back and just take it all in. One thing I will say, you've made tax people more appealing in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. I think the two things that I really want to get into today was one, taxes and accounting and all of that doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be scary. And I don't think there's a better way to communicate that than listening to Anthony talk for five minutes just so anyone listening knows, whenever anyone's coming on the show, they give us like a little bio about themselves. And, and you, you gave us this awesome write-up, Anthony. And part of it that I read, it said something along the lines of, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but it was something like, I make people feel better. It said something like, people come in to me, stick to their stomach about taxes, and they leave wanting to give me a kiss or a hug <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. Like that. I think you've done that for the listeners today. So you might just have random people approaching you for hugs throughout the street. Virtual hug. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Thanks for that, man. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and it's true. And I don't want to minimize, you know, there's certain aspects and depending on what marketing and advice you listen to lead with fear and and sell on fear. Dude, I'm no smoke and mirrors, man. And I'm on the phone with the IRS or the state most of my day, all day, every day, I, you know, is a bit much, but most of my day we're dealing with these agencies And they're people just like you and I. I had a woman, her husband had just passed away. She came in, one of the revenue agents actually knocked on her door. They owed back taxes. He was self-employed. He did everything. She had literally just housewife, mother, each of them had their roles. She had no clue. They owed about $300,000. She came in here sick to her stomach and the guy came to my door and he left a postcard and I've been talking to him and... Whoa, first of all, roll back. Don't ever talk to anybody. You just sure enough, as she's sitting there, her phone starts vibrating and you know, she looks at it. Oh, it's him, he's calling me. All right, just relax, take the call. She says, Oh, hello, Mr. So and so. And I realized it was an auditor that we had just dealt with the week before. In a really cool kind of out of a movie scene instance, I was like, Is that Mr. So and so? And she nods her head. I said, give him the verbal okay to speak to me. And man, we spoke like high school chums, you know, and oh yeah, whatever. Just just get the power of attorney over to me. I explained her situation. And like I said, man, just to see that air fill back in her lungs and she was able to walk out of here comfortable, knowing that the IRS is not gonna bang on her door again tomorrow, knowing that we took care of it, we had a game plan of, of how to handle it. That's just an awesome feeling, man. And I think that's more about a human aspect than any kind of tax or accounting work, you, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think it's all awesome. like you can truly hear how you found your uh, you found your passion in taking that pain away from people in that area of taxes. And that's uh, pretty special to hear. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. A very cool story. And I could see the movie scene. It's just such perfect timing because, you know, like like you had said in the intro on, on a big white horse, you know, and all of a sudden in my head, I'm like Fabio and my chest is out and the, and the sun is warming <laughs> it and I'm all oiled up and I swoop on the back of the horse and we ride into the sunset. The funny thing is, like, I wasn't making that up about Dean. Like, that's exactly it's, that's right. how he showed up. <laughs> yeah, just him. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let his reserved British manner fool you. He's uh, very much like that. So I want to just wrap up the show. But before we do, 
Anthony, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Thanks for asking. They could find me on Facebook. My website is mytaxfella, F-E-L-L-A, mytaxfella.com. I'm Anthony Moriello on Facebook. They could email me at the old school taxfella at AOL.com. AOL. Wow, look at that. Many number of ways. You can Google my name. We're out there. We'll put that link in the show notes. But I think, you know, the bottom line on this is deal with somebody who helps you feel better about the situation. And I think it's hard to deny your contagious attitude about something that most people would be terrified of dealing with. Well, thank you for saying that, gentlemen. Absolutely. Dean, any parting shots before we wrap this up? I think it's all been said. Just uh, thanks, Anthony. Again, you've brought life to a jack that's usually dull. I I appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners do as well. So thank you. You're very welcome. So make sure you guys check out mytaxfella.com if you're interested in getting in touch with Anthony. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you putting up (laughs) with all of our nonsense. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Later. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.